part of business is allocating your resources and those types of tools to be able to look at the different data points help you know how effectively you're deploying your resources and if you need to reallocate. Every day, we rely on food, fuel, and fiber. But how much do you know about these industries we depend on? In this podcast, we dive deep into the production and processes of these everyday essentials. This is Field Points, an original podcast production from Siri Solutions. Welcome back to Field Points. I'm your host, Morgan Seger. In today's episode, we're going to continue our conversations with leadership. In our last episode, we talked through the Elevate initiative. Today, we're going to be focusing on GROW. Our guest for today is Scott Osborne, the Chief Financial Officer with Series Solutions. Scott serves a multifaceted role where he touches a lot of different pieces of the business. In this conversation, we walk through the technologies that his teams are implementing to improve employee experience and customer experience and also improve overall efficiencies. He points us to how these improved efficiencies can lead to growth for the organization. I'm joined again by my co-host, Laurel Mann, and she adds a lot of great insight and depth to this talk. So let's dive into my conversation with Scott Osborne. I'm Scott Osborne, the CFO for Series. Going on about 10 years here in the co-op system. Started in 2013 with North Central Co-op. I was the energy controller there, moved over and was the agronomy controller for a while. And then we went through the merger and I always joke with Jeff that everyone retired and he got stuck with me. I grew up in North Manchester, a couple, what, 20 miles north of here, I guess. And I went to Purdue for a year and then I went back home Uh, to Manchester University, graduated uh, with an accounting degree, and then went on to uh, get my CPA license and my MBA through WGU. I guess in the beginning, I was just looking to move back home uh, because after I graduated, we moved down to Florida, and I lived down there for a few years and then transferred to West Chicago and worked there for a while and was trying to get back here to the area. And so I ended up applying for this job in particular, and I didn't really know much about it when I applied for it. And then told a few people about it and they said, oh, you know, that's a really good company to work for. Uh, The only way you get in is if somebody retires or dies. (laughs) (laughs) And thankfully it was somebody retiring. But once I interviewed with the company and, you know, I'd heard other people in the community talk about them, I knew it was a pretty good company to work for. And then once I started working here, you know, learning more and more about the ag space and talking with more people within the company and about how passionate they were about what the company does, you know, got me real excited too. And my former boss is, you know, the former CFO, Doug Bible, he told me, we grow food, you know, and that's kind of resonated with him. And it's kind of resonated with me too, that it's meaningful work, I guess, what we do. So you spent some time overseas too, didn't you? Yeah. After I graduated from college, my wife and I went over to China for like four four and a half months. And um, that was an interesting experience. But then we ended up coming back. So when I went over as part of a cultural exchange program, but it was teaching English as a second language. And I'm not a teacher. So <laughs> I didn't do as great with that. You're but. a numbers guy, not yep. a letters guy. Okay. More black and white. There you go. While we're focusing this conversation around the GROW initiative, I wanted to make sure we took some time to learn more about Scott's leadership background and what his leadership philosophy is. 
Leadership is something that I've actually been focusing on the last few years as I kind of moved into this role. You don't go from being a controller to a CFO in like one day all of a sudden, you know. So there's a lot of, you know, the heads down, day-to-day work that you do as a controller, but then sometimes you got to get your head up and think about the bigger picture when you're in more of that CFO type role. So one of the things that I had done was work with um, an executive leadership coach that helped me define my leadership style. So I had never really thought about it. And, you know, leadership is kind of like a skill that can be taught and learned. So I studied it and I had to think about what my leadership style was. And at the time it was really not existent, I guess. And then did some studying as far as the different types of leadership styles and then kind of settled in on one that I really thought that I liked, which was servant leadership. And so, you know, I'd read a few books, done some research, found out that base, there's an acronym for it that kind of really resonated with me. And it's that SERVE acronym. So the S-E-R-V-E. And that's what I have um, kind of based my whole leadership style on. Created um, an IDP, which was a individual development plan where I wanted to develop those leadership skills of the servant leadership mindset, I guess. So for the serve uh, acronym stands for seeing the future, engaging and developing others, reinventing continuously, valuing results and relationships and embodying the values. So I created a development plan to develop those five areas. I have noticed uh, in the years that you've been CFO at Ceres that a lot of time is devoted to numbers and there's a high amount of accountability that you have to the rest of the leadership team to deliver numbers and results and, and reports. And yet a lot of your time also is spent managing or working beside people and wading through issues with people. So how much of your time is spent with numbers versus the soft side of your job, which is, because you manage HR as well as accounting, IT as well. I'd say the majority of my day is probably spent with people, um, developing relationships with my team and with the rest of the company and the rest of the leadership. And then also a a small percentage of what I do anymore is really like the numbers, Mm -hmm. cruncher, heads down type stuff. So I would say that, you know, 80% of my my day is spent developing relationships with people. And then a lot of it is just trying to get projects done, get people motivated and holding people accountable and getting them to follow through on what they say they're going to do. And I spend a lot of time building relationships with people. I try to have good working relationships with people as much as I can. I think it helps you know, it's it's influence, I think, because if people report directly to you, you can just say, do this, and they either do it or you fire them, I guess. Um, but influence is when you can get people to do something for you when they don't necessarily report to you. So I think building relationships has a pretty big impact on your ability to influence other people. So I do spend a lot of time building relationships and having those really good relationships with people Mm -hmm. so that when I do need help or whatever that I can go ask someone and they usually are willing to help. The things that we want to get done at Ceres and the technologies that we want to employ, your team always has a voice or always has a a responsibility area. I don't know a better way to put it other than I've heard accounting in our department be described as (laughs) the colon of the company. (laughs) Everything goes through it. There you go. That's kind of to say but it is i mean you know that's a lot of what happens is like hey we're gonna go out and do this and then 
and then someone goes and does it, and then it's like, okay, now you got to figure out what to do with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there is a lot of that. But, I mean, ultimately it does feel like everything comes through our department or one of our departments. Right. Um, so I do feel like, you know, I have a lot of hands in everything. Like you said, I work a lot with everyone on our senior leadership team, whether it's in energy, agronomy, risk and safety, I'm here. I mean, working with the executive coach really helped me a lot because being a leader, you have to be intentional about it and it takes time. And that's something I think a lot of leaders, maybe they don't spend a lot of time intentionally thinking about leading people. A lot of people think that if you just get the title, it makes you a leader. That's really not how it works. So, and I've put a lot of thought and research behind it because again, I do think it is a skill that you can work on, that you can become better at, that you can implement. And it starts with being intentional about it. And and that was my first step was, well, what type of leader am I? And what type of leader do I want to be? And then what are the characteristics of that type of a leader? And then what can I do to develop those leadership traits that associate with that type of leader I want to be? And that's where that whole individual development plan came into place. That all takes a lot of time. And I think it's something that a lot of people in leadership roles don't necessarily take the time to do. And then it also takes time to actually lead and mentor and develop relationships with your direct reports. The book that I uh, read and listened to where it really resonated with me on the servant leadership is called The Secret by uh, Ken Blanchard and Mark Miller. That was the book that I uh, kind of gravitated towards. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I've always tried to keep in the back of my head is that I try not to ask something that I'm not willing to do myself. And another word that really does resonate with me, it may even be a optimist or a rotary thing, I'm not really sure, but there's dignity in every job. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, you know, I've kind of held that that dignity with in every job and not asking people to do something that I'm not willing to do. I think it helps keep you humble and grounded. And I just think it's important. In our last episode with Doug Brunt, the chief operating officer at Series Solutions, he shared that the strategic initiatives are things that the organization is working to change or improve. Now, Scott is going to walk us through what the GROW initiative is and how he has seen it in action. So there's the external and internal growth, I guess. So the external part of growth would be the three-legged stool that we Mm -hmm. talk about, where you've got mergers on one, acquisitions on another, and organic on the third. Mm -hmm. So you kind of, over time, we would like our growth to be a third, a third, a third. On the internal side of it, I think of growth as being, you know, getting more out of the existing assets that we have. So if it's people, equipment, or locations, or whatever it might be, Um, we figure out a way to try to get more out of those assets. So one thing that we've done a lot of is investing in technology so that we can automate and be more efficient. And I've got a list of things we've done, Power BI, DocuWare, Paylocity, 8x8, Series Mm -hmm. Center. Those are all tools and technology that we've invested in that help people do their jobs better and more efficient so that we can get more out of them. But um, it also helps on the equipment location side. We have a long length of service history at Series. The average length of tenure is more than 10 years. So people remember what it was like before Power BI. And now we think, how did we ever do it? And I think that's one of the great things about adopting technology is that's just, that's the culture of your team. And to me, it makes jobs easier easier. 
So then maybe you can devote more time to the things you enjoy even more than certain tasks. Yeah, that's one thing that I've thought a lot about too when it comes to uh, the work that people do. A lot of times people do want more responsibility or a different responsibility. And there's two ways I think that you can do it is there's job enrichment and job enlargement. Job enlargement is just doing the same thing but more of it. Job enrichment is where you make their life easier and you can give them a higher level type of a job. So one of the initiatives we're looking into is accounts payable, and that's trying to automate certain parts of accounts payable so that we don't have people spending their day doing just data entry. And it frees up their time to be able to do more of the data analysis or, you know, maybe a, a higher level type of a job that brings a little bit more satisfaction than just sitting there all day doing data entry. And that kind of explains then why your area is kind of like a, a pod for promoting from within. I can think of probably six off the top of my head, employees who have started at one thing and realized they had an, an aptitude for something else and they moved to that. So then we backfill the spot. That's what we try to do. Much of the work being done in this space is directed towards the employee experience. Next, Scott walks us through the implications this also could have for customers. For the customers, I guess it would be a, a lot of what we say is that we're not growing just to grow and to be big. We're growing strategically so that we can stay relevant in the marketplace, so that we can stay relevant to our suppliers and have a seat at the table. It'll also help us serve our customers better as we grow because our customers are doing the same thing. They're they're growing just as much as we are and continuing to consolidate and they're needing more and more from us as a company. So we need to be able to grow with our customers also. And it also allows us to have resources that we may not be able to have if we were smaller. So I know I can't even think in the last five years, the number of new positions that we've created that we just wouldn't have been able to do if we were smaller. We wouldn't have had the resources to be able to do it. Who knew that we would be pulling soil samples with robots and scouting with drones? And so we need operators for that, which we didn't need a couple years ago. So to be able to adapt and evolve is what keeps us relevant. And so I think that's um, when we add positions or take away different positions and, and redeploy those employees into something else, I think that that helps us as well stay relevant because we're constantly adapting and changing. One of the recent examples was on the 8x8. When we rolled out Series Access, we were able to create a call group in 8x8 where we had 20 people that were all over the state, part of a call group, so that when a customer would call in, it would go to one of those 20 people, and the customer had no idea. They would just call one phone number, and it may ring in Terre Haute, it may ring in Rensselaer, right. it might ring in Crawfordsville. But for all they know, they're calling their series, but and that's what we want. They were calling series, you know? <laughs> and, and the person was trained in the same way, whoever received the call would have given the exact same attention to the customer as if they were right next door. Yep, and then we were also then able to pull the data and the metrics from eight by eight to say that we had this many calls come in to the helpline and we knew how many calls were answered by every person that was in the call group. We knew how long they were on the phone with the person. We knew if it rang and wasn't answered. We knew if it rang and was transferred somewhere else. It was another tool to be able to go back afterwards and look back at, well, how well did we do on that rollout? You know, we thought we did a pretty good job, but we, I don't know, how did we do? Right. And we could go back and look at real data that said, okay, we had 150 phone calls come in and 
we were able to answer them all. They lasted for five minutes each. And, you know, we sent it out to 40,000 people and you had 300 phone calls or whatever it was. Right. Right. I think it helped give us an idea of, of how the actual... How effective, went. Yeah, how effective, how effective it was. Part of business is allocating your resources and those types of tools to be able to look at the different data points help you know how effectively you're deploying your resources and if you need to reallocate somewhere else. These constant changes and efforts of growth don't come without challenges. Next, Scott walks us through how the team collaboratively works through the different challenges that come up when dealing with growth. I would say on the uh, challenges, the first one is the, is just people mm-hmm. and the culture. Sure. And, you know, there's a little bit of a culture change, I think, for the new employees that would be coming into our organization. Hopefully it's positive for right. them. There's obviously a lot of concern over benefits and positions and pay and things like that that you work through. On the HR side, you know, we try to look at our benefits compared to the benefits that had been offered, and we try to match up match those up the best that we can because ultimately we do want to take care of the employee. So there's that. And then on the other side of it is the data side. There's a lot of data accounting systems that we have to map from one system to the other system. And a lot of times we'll have to do some kind of upload from their accounting system and our accounting system. So whether it's customers, vendors, items, general ledger codes, Uh, financial statements. When we did our Falmouth merger, we had to work with getting the customer equity transferred over and their patronage history and things like that that have to be moved into our system. And then it's just training the new employees on a new piece of software, Mm -hmm. but then also the new policies and the procedures and things that need to be done. And I think that a lot of times what I've seen in some of the ones that we've done recently is that there is a lot of hunger from the employee group that is becoming part of series that they want leadership or they want direction and they want someone to come in. They want additional resources and help. And it's been, I would say that's probably one of the more rewarding things. One of the ways the organization has worked through bringing new people in and different organizations together is through creating what they call one series. Well, in the one series, a big component of that is to kind of bring the cultures together when you do go through um, a merger or an acquisition. I try to eliminate the us versus them talk as much as we can so when you do an acquisition or a merger or even a new hire (laughs) or a new hire yeah well we do it like this but they do it like that and I want to get rid of the us versus them as much as we can and say I don't care how we do it or they do it this is how series is going to do it collaboration is another big thing it's one of the big words I think I might have heard from you first and I kind (laughs) of latched on to it because collaboration is something that I do believe in a lot. And I have a lot of meetings when we do those mergers and acquisitions where we have people from all sides of the company, from both organizations that come together and we talk about a process and how everyone does it and what function they might have in the process, I guess. And then what I like to do is try to take the best of everything and put it together and say, okay, now this is how series is going to do it going forward. And then I, I think that when you do it, in a collaborative environment, they become part of the solution Mm -hmm. and part of the process. 
they've got an ownership stake in it. So then they want to follow that process and be involved in it because they own it. They helped create it. And that's so important. And you do that when you gather all the admins together, everyone in an administrative role at 50 or 60 branches comes to a meeting that Scott hosts and and has a meal and a, a day of both fellowship, but also learning and education. And I think because the most important thing that happens at Ceres happens at the branches, you know, between the customer and the employee. So what we do in a central office is is not seen and it's very behind the scenes and often your effort to explain to the location staff the why behind some of the change or some of the consistencies that you're promoting has really helped. Yeah, I like to try to get out to the branches, do the fixed asset reviews where we get to go out and we'll go through and try to count all the vehicles or toolbars or sprayers. Uh-huh. We did some some testing with drones on some inventory stuff. but So yeah, we try to get out as much as we can and we try to be as accessible as we can to anyone. I mean, anyone in the company can call, I would Wait. say, any of our leaders and we'll help them. We'll talk. It's not a big corporate feel, I don't think. Scott has mentioned several technologies that they have implemented that are changing the way Ceres shows up and goes to work. Next, Scott is going to walk us through what he thinks the future of work will look and feel like for series solutions. Yeah, the one thing that um, you know we talked about earlier was the one series mm-hmm. concept and the whole process of coming up with what the series way will be that gets the buy-in from the employees and all of that. But the other side of it is that it standardizes a process. Once you are able to standardize a process, our next step is to try to digitize the process as much as we can. And if we can get it standardized and digitized, then we can automate. And so a lot of what we've been doing is trying to get from uh, everybody does things all different kinds of ways. We try to get it to here's the one way we're going we're going to do it. And then we digitize it and then we try to automate it. I'm just trying to think like in the HR and the onboarding side of it and IT was really involved in was standardizing the onboarding process mm-hmm. and then we digitized the onboarding process with Paylocity and some of the other digital tools that we have. And then the next step is to it was to try to automate some components of it. So I know that we were finally recently able to get the Active Directory piece linked with the Paylocity so that when we add employees that our email lists are automatically updated and synced based on their job title. So if they're a manager, they get put into the manager email address list. And if they're an admin, they go into the admin list. And that was something that wasn't happening before. One of our goals or strategic initiatives is to be able to do everything digital by 2025 with a customer, with a vendor, with an employee. And one thing that we'd worked on on the, uh, you know, on the customer side of it is the series access to help improve the customer experience, but it, it, it still hasn't taken away, I guess, from the face-to-face interaction that they would have with the series employees. So one of the things I was thinking about is earlier when we were talking about the future of work and how that may change. Um, We talk a lot about that, too, as far as work from home, remote work, um, how COVID changed a lot of people's perceptions on that. One of the weaknesses, I think, that I personally have and I think others in management have prior to COVID is the ability to monitor an employee's 
productivity remotely. So if an employee is in a different location physically or if they're at home or whatever it might be, I think that as a manager, you, you're you hoping that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, but it's really hard to know if you if you don't see them. And a lot of times, I would say prior to COVID, we, th- we think of someone that is super busy with a lot of paper on their desk that comes in early and leaves late as being a hard worker. After COVID or even during COVID, it's almost like, well, maybe they're just not efficient. I was trying to be careful earlier when I said how productive an employee is versus how much they work. Because if I go into work for 10 hours a day, that doesn't mean that I was productive 10 hours a day. I may have been productive two or three hours a day. Power BI and the data analytics part of the tools that we've put into place help managers manage their remote workers and their remote employees. So Power BI during COVID, we were able to send some of our accounts payable staff home and work from home. You know, we want to know, well, how much work is being done? How productive are they at home versus how productive are they in the office? And we can pull those metrics then out of our accounting system to say, you've processed 50 invoices today. Mm -hmm. And we can compare when you're at home, you process 30 or you process 80. So we can do those types of comparisons with data where we can look at a person's productivity in different areas and then decide if one, if working from home is better for that employee or working in the office is better for that employee. But it's another tool for a manager to have to help manage their employee group. And back to what I was talking about earlier with 8x8, we've got the analytics and data that we can pull out of our 8x8 phone system so that we know how many phone calls our employees are getting and how much time they spend on the phone. So it's another tool for management where we can look at the data out of our accounting software and the data out of 8x8, data out of Paylocity. There's data all over the place that we can pull in to one data analytic software and see one view of the data that's everywhere and use that as a management tool to help us manage our employees. The big thing on the secret that it, I was looking for this quote because I liked it. It's actually an MLK quote. It's to pass the baton. The final test of leadership is how your team performs when you aren't around. If they can't do it without you, you've not been successful in raising up our leaders. The MLK quote is, everyone can be great because everyone can serve. And that's part of that servant leadership. Scott mentioned that the GROW initiative is not to grow for the sake of growth, but rather to be very intentional about where and when they are deploying resources to maximize efficiencies and seize opportunities when available. Next, Scott is going to walk us through the type of listening that Series is doing with their customers to best understand what their needs are going to be to ensure that they are investing and allocating their resources in the most responsible and efficient ways. Yeah, so Project 2040 is where we've identified 12 young producers that are members of Series. I think our target was to look for producers under the age of 40. We call it Project 2040 because they should be the customer of 2040. They should still be around, still farming. They should be the decision makers and influence the the direction of their farm and what it's going to look like. So Project 2040 was to bring that group of farmers together. We picked two from each district of our six districts. So we had 12 farmers. I think the average age is 35 years old. And the, the whole point of it was to bring them together and help us as series 
identify what we need to be in the future to be able to serve their needs. To stay relevant. To stay relevant. Because we talked about the changing generation and trying to be everything to everyone. But with the consolidation and the way things are trending, we want to know what does that group of farmers think their operation is going to look like in 2040 so that we know how we need to change and what we need to become to be able to serve them. And I think one of the great things that's come out of that is the fellowship, because I know when you you and uh, the co-lead who is Drew Garretton, when you come out of those meetings, I think it, it's neat to see how those producers are engaging with each other. It's been neat to have been the conduit for relationships that they're starting to have with each other. And all those side conversations at meals are probably just as interesting as the content. So. Yeah, I think networking is one of the big, I guess one of the results that we were hoping that would be accomplished from putting that group together. And then it's really interesting too, because our program is really only scheduled to be a two-year program where we do four meetings. And at our last meeting, which was only our second meeting, there were comments that were of the group that were saying, what are we going to do when this thing's over? Like, how do we keep this thing going? So I'm sure we'll do, I don't know where this is going to go in the future. If we decide to keep it with the same group, if we'll have a different group, if there'll be some members of both groups, I would assume we will do something. I just don't know what, but I think it'll be really interesting to see if that group stays together some way maintains a relationship or an annual meetup of some right. kind because you almost think that that may be the result of what happens. So yeah, and that would be a great cool. outcome. Yeah, we wanted to make sure it was a two-way street where, like I said earlier, we were hoping to get information out of them as far as here's where we think we're going to be in 2040 so that we know where series needs to be in 2040 to be able to serve them. But we also wanted to provide something relevant to them as sure. well. So they, they had to have a benefit, right, to be in the group. Part of that was the networking piece. Mm-hmm. I think we're in, we, we are able to introduce them to speakers and topics that they might not hear if they weren't part of that group. So we've been able to partner with our regional suppliers and vendors and uh, the regional co-ops that we're members of mm-hmm. and use that network to bring speakers on the economy, uh, whether it's global regional or local, we've been able to reach out and get someone who can help us in those areas, put them in front of that group, share their information, what they're seeing as trends and what they think may be happening in the future. And it really starts to get that group thinking about even if half that stuff comes true, how's that going to impact me on the farm? And what do I need to do differently? And then we can tag along on that, you know, series can tag along and say, okay, well, if you're going to change and do something different, what can we change or do differently to help serve you? It's that continuous improvement always. Yeah. (laughs) I have read that there's three components to success in leadership. And this really feels like it's your wheelhouse. Analyze the business, adopt a growth mindset, and then commit to transformation. In the last couple of years, really since you've been at Ceres, that's what your area has undergone. As you have led that area and led a lot of change, how important has it been to be very transparent with your team? Yeah, transparency is really important. I think it goes back to what you had said earlier about explaining the why. It's not just sitting around making up stuff to do um, because we're all busy. We all have a lot to do. 
But when we talk about why are we doing the different things that we're doing, we need to be completely transparent with our employees, but also our our customers on why we're doing the things that we're doing. So as we go towards more and more of the digital type tools, they're a lot more real-time data-driven kind of tools, I guess. One of the things that we have really been pushing over the last few years is to try to get our customers build more timely, I guess, Mm -hmm. more uh, quickly, because we don't want that lag of data where we're giving our customers a tool, series access, to be able to look at their account, look at their invoices, look at their financing, look at their contracts real in real time, but it, it's meaningless to them if we're not current right. and up to date with their information. And the same thing with our internal tool that we have that's Power BI. It's all, it's a, a data, it's a business intelligence tool that's based around data. And we're using that data to provide information to our management and to our decision makers. We're doing a lot more data-driven decisions. I mean, there's still a relationship piece that goes into decisions and there's factors outside of data, but data is one of the things that can help make decisions and help drive decisions. And if that data isn't current and accurate, then you're making decisions on bad data. And when I talk to our board and our senior leadership group, and I talk about IT, accounting, and HR, I've got a Venn diagram of all the circles where they all overlap because there's some areas where HR and accounting may overlap and HR and IT or IT and accounting. And then in the center, there's a spot where all three overlap and we all bring it together. And that's those are the tools that we're trying to build out to be more efficient and to standardize to digitize, to automate for our employees and our customers. And and that's where Power BI, DocuWare, Paylocity, 8x8, and Series Center come into play. Those are the core tools that touch it all that we try to all work together to build out for our employees. With servant leadership at the heart of these changes, I'm excited to see what's next for the GROW initiative at Siri Solutions. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this episode, and thank you, Scott, for joining us on the show. In our next episode, we will be talking about the Amplify initiative with the Chief Marketing Officer, Drew Gerritsen. This Field Points podcast on leadership is brought to you by the Siri Solutions Human Resources Team. At Siri Solutions, we believe in getting to know our employees and working to help them be their best. More than 700 Siri's employees are on the job today, serving their local communities all across Indiana and Michigan. We hire for character and train for skill with shared values of service, respect, longevity, integrity, and expertise. At Siri's, we frequently promote talent from within, and when you join us, you can expect to build both leadership and technical skills as a member of our team. Looking for a reward? opportunity, check out our careers page on the series website today. The show notes for this episode will be available at series.coop. That's C-E-R-E-S dot C-O-O-P. If you enjoyed this deeper dive, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Your review and feedback will help other listeners like you find our podcast. And we are so thankful for that.